Athleter Podcast. Another episode this week. I, okay, I'm kind of geeked about this one for a number of different reasons. First of all, uh, Mr. Jim Gibbons, thank you so much for, for coming on. But But here's why I'm so excited. Number one, if you don't know who Jim Gibbons is, shame on you, coach, broadcaster. And now here's here's why I'm excited. Because you are adding to your long list of attributes, and now you're executive producer on a documentary series called The Duel that I happen to watch okay. some of. I haven't I haven't seen it, I haven't seen the whole thing yet. Admittedly, it is um a, a six-part series. So I am getting there. I'm on in the middle of episode three. And for those of you guys that that have not heard of this, have not heard the rumblings yet, it's about the Iowa-Iowa State duel in Ames in 1986, which is going down in history as one of the best duels of all time against two of some of the best teams of all time. Um, let's start here. Start rattling off, if you can and will, some of the accolades of the athletes forget about the coaching staff okay some of the athletes involved in this particular duel well mike this is the uh the 86 duel between iowa and iowa state and and uh you know there's a long story as how we got to this process here but uh, a good friend of mine john myers and i uh decided to go down the path of uh doing a docuseries on this uh, 35 uh, uh years later and we've talked to 17 of the 20 guys that were in this meet, the coaches, the assistant coaches. And so it, it's really cool because at that point in time, you had Iowa uh, going for nine in a row uh, with Dan Gable uh, the, in that period, time period between 1978 and 86. And it was my first year as coach at Iowa State. So I was a, I was a 26-year-old uh, head coach at the time. And, and uh, of course, can we, we, can were, we pause it there. Was yeah, that terribly common? in in the mid 80s i don't rem like 26 year old head coach sounds awful young by today's standards was that more common then i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I took no. over. My coach was 68 when he retired, right? So, uh, uh, you know, Harold Nichols. And so I, it was... Uh, it, it was it shocked a lot of people that, that I got the job basically it, but uh, you know I didn't have time to worry about that I was doing the job and <laughs> the um, you know it, it's it uh, but I think it helped a lot of other guys that were younger at the time get jobs I mean John later on got the job at Oklahoma State and uh, several other younger coaches have, have got but you know I, I figured it out later in life that it's because we were cheaper <laughs> okay that's fair <laughs> yeah that, that's that's not entirely true but uh I yes it is time. Yeah, probably <laughs> in some respects but uh anyway the the you know so i had the opportunity to create this team i was the assistant coach before that for three years i was the recruiting coordinator which gave me a tremendous advantage uh, because I knew the guys and had a, a little bit to do with some of the guys, a lot of the guys that were in the program at that point in time. And, and I've been coaching them for a, a while and, and uh, you know, it's my alma mater and I never left. So uh, that, that was good. But I, I think uh, to answer your question, you know, Myron Roderick got the job at Oklahoma state right after he uh, graduated from college pretty much. And so he was mm -hmm. a young coach as well, had a lot of uh, success at, at Oklahoma state. I think they won eight in a row with Myron. And um, uh, so you know, so that the time frame of this duel was during this process of Iowa going for nine in a row in the pursuit of, uh, of possibly 10 in a row, which would have been an NCAA record. So tell me more about um, some of the athletes that, yeah, that, that's, well, that, that were on that team. I mean, because there's just like the who's who of Iowa wrestling. Because, uh, all right, well, let's start here. When you said you were the recruiting coordinator. Um, before you were the head coach, how much of your how much of your lineup was was Iowa kids? 
I think we counted it up that, that between the two lineups uh, at Iowa and Iowa State, we had 11 guys that uh, won 24 Iowa State championships. Uh, so it wasn't just Iowa-centric. In fact, we're coming out with a little uh, a trailer piece right now called Why the Duel. But we had people from all over. We had, you know, Marty Kissler was from California. We had both coasts. We had Penrith from New York, uh, Brad Penrith. And we had Rico Ciparelli from from Maryland and Dwayne Goldman from Colorado and, you know, uh, you know, the Ohio with, with Jim Heffernan, you know, these are all names that you, you know, and, and uh, Billy Kelly was from Illinois, you know, so we had people that were pretty well represented across the country. The other nine guys were from the other states, but, you know, this meet was special and I didn't really recognize it till my friend John called me up in the middle of COVID when, when LA was shut down and, and uh, they weren't doing any projects. John was a, a visual effects uh, supervisor for a number of really successful projects in, in uh, LA, uh, film projects and uh, TV and commercials for that matter. And he uh, uh, was going down a rabbit hole and he found the Iowa, Iowa State, Iowa Public Television broadcast uh, on a website, uh, Iowa State website. And he started watching it and he goes, this is the most dramatic thing I've, I've ever seen. What are your memories of it? And I go, well, no, I guess it was pretty dramatic. I, I, I really kind of downplayed it. It was one of those years where, where uh, it was my first year in coaching and, and uh, I forgot about, you know, how successful all these guys become. There were 12 guys in this meet that won 16 NCAA titles. Uh, there were 29. Say that way. No, don't hold on. <laughs> don't blow past that. That's Say huge. that one more time. There were 12 of the 20 wrestlers in this meet in their careers won 16 NCAA titles. That's, you know, yeah. And so, and if you, if you recognize, you know, this team, uh, the Iowa team went on to, of course, win their, their uh, ninth in a row NCAA title. And, and, uh, but uh, we had a great uh, dual meet in Hilton Coliseum that night. And there's a lot of excitement and, uh, you know, it, it set the foundations, I think, for us next year. But it also, you know, we kind of delved into the magic of, uh, of what uh, uh, being uh, coached by uh, Coach Gable was like, too, in this pretty significantly. So we got four. We, we went to nine states. We talked to 17 of the 20 guys in there. This isn't, you know, uh, uh, how can I put it? Uh, uh, folding chairs in front of wall mats. OK, yeah. this is these guys in their element right right there went to. You know, Arizona to see Mike Van Arsdale and went out to see the Kistler brothers just in their homes and where they're living. And you got a taste of what they're what they're about right now. Perry Summit in Indiana. Uh, you know, it, it, so, it, you know, it, it just uh, before I forget this, but there was also 29 NCAA championship performances, meaning they made it to the finals 29 times. Those 20 guys, you know, lots of thirds. That's and just first. crazy. It That's... was. And so we, we just made the decision. To go back and, and we had 4,000 minutes of footage and uh, we put a six-part docu-series together, all right? Uh, you know, we pay homage to public television in this thing because it was significant advantage, I think, for uh, a lot of our uh, people in the state of Iowa to be able to watch this on uh, free t television, you know, back in the day. And, you know, you can still talk to people that, that were in the... Uh, uh, the roadhouses and the bars downtown and getting together in small communities and watching Iowa and Iowa State scrap at it. And public television also did the state high school wrestling meet. You know, you, you could have robbed banks in places like Osage, Iowa, because they're all filling up a section in, in uh, uh, Des Moines at uh, Veterans Auditorium. So it, it uh, that became it, it, public television was certainly a character in the story here uh, with uh, their coverage of college wrestling. And a lot of the vintage uh, uh, video that you see are, are still from some of those old meets, you know, when guys from Oklahoma or Oklahoma State would come into town. So but we, we yeah. decided to put this together. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I, I mean, you say that Iowa Public Television is a character in the series, and you're right. But for me, it's kind of because I grew up on the East Coast. It's and I was I was involved in wrestling in the mid 80s and late 80s and early 90s and to me iowa public television was a character in 
in college sports like like so you as a as someone that was recruiting in the state of Iowa you had a very distinct advantage over Oklahoma State in in regards to hey your kids are going to be on TV for dual meets like this is that I know that that doesn't sound to you as a as an older gentleman now like a big deal but for a kid coming up holy smokes man if you would have told me that I can go to to school B and and, and wrestle in front of five thousand people. That's fine. But if you could tell me I, I'm going to be on TV every week, every dual meet, oh, I'm I'm going A for sure. Well, it, it it certainly helped a lot. I think a lot of people across the country got to see that, and that's why. But there was more going on in those two programs. You know, think about this for a second, Mike and and, and Joel. Not from 1965 on till 19, we'll we'll say. Uh, uh, 88, maybe 16 of the of the 2021 championships were were in one of those two schools, Iowa, Iowa State. Where, where that encompassed the Gable era at Iowa State, and of course the Gable era at the University of Iowa with the nine in a row, the two with Gary Kirtlemeyer, who, who coached with uh, was the head coach at Iowa uh, when uh, Dan was the assistant, my coach, uh, and, and our title that we won in '87. So uh, with my staff. And uh, my my guys, so it, it's it's uh, uh that was part of it. I mean, it was good entertainment. I mean, there were some great duels. I mean, it's kind of, but what's what's I think more important. I think that that, that people will get out of this is that how important uh, a rival uh, has meant to these guys a lifetime later, thirty five mm -hmm. years later, and how almost reverently they speak about each other. And uh, uh, we had a couple of the guys sit down together. We had my, my brother, Joe, who was national champion in this meet, and Kevin Dresser goes on and wins the national championship. They, they both sat down the juxtaposition of Joe being the defending champion at Iowa State, now Kevin being the coach at Iowa State. So it was uh, uh, fun getting those two together. We also had Royce Alger and Bill Tate. Uh, you know, uh, the world needs a lot more of Royce and Hill, right? <laughs> <laughs> First of all, the world can only hold one Royce Alger, and that is yeah, a this, that is a is, truth. Yeah, this is this is must see, and and you know some of these just as as a you know producing this, and this was a two man operation. Uh, I, I held the camera, I helped put up the lights, uh, uh, we did the interviews, uh, uh, we interviewed the official. Who was also an NCAA runner-up for the University of Iowa in 1970, who wrestled a Iowa State guy Jason Smith in the finals. Uh, uh, Phil Henning from Marshalltown, so he's a local guy, and we got his input. And there were some fun calls in that thing, and and uh, uh, you know, so we also got a hold of uh, Ivan Mazel. Ivan was a 26-year-old Sports Illustrated fact checker who talked the uh, the the, uh, the guys into you know. Uh, Hey, I'd like to come out and do the Iowa Iowa State wrestling meet. It's one versus two. Now he'd never seen a wrestling meet before, right? But he was from Alabama. He knew rivalries like Auburn and Alabama. Familiar with that. And uh, uh, we went out and visited him out in Connecticut. He uh, had a successful career at Sports Illustrated and went on to write for ESPN.com. And he's on the uh, followed his career all the way through. It was a one call. I called him up. I says, "Do you remember Jim Gibbons from Iowa?" He goes. How can I forget it? It was 10 degrees, you know, <laughs> I was freezing my rear end off, you know, and, and uh, it was a very memorable experience for him uh, interviewing Coach Gable and and uh, we were the same age. So we went and hung out together. So it's, it would, uh, you know, I took him out on Ames and, and uh, you know, people were blown away. This before the internet, before right. Sports Illustrated it was the deal. And that you go back. It. That was yeah, the Yeah, it was it, right. Yeah. So we've, we've done this, this, uh, documentary that we we just couldn't be when i say we john and i just couldn't be more proud of what uh just the content that we have just these guys and it was a long process we went through a little bit of a right squabble here with uh, public television uh unnecessarily but uh we we have the ability to now to bring this to people and we're going to have you know six episodes that come out and uh, hopefully early november and uh uh we're really really excited about it and you know, you can follow the progress of this. The trailer's up the, at the, the dual.org. And um, uh, we set up a 501c3 for it. It's paid for. And uh, we, um, uh, we we can't wait to bring you these uh, personalities uh, from 35 years ago and and, uh, and just the, uh, the era. And so 
you know, I was told this to you before, uh, Mike, off camera, is that it's just, a, I think, a really neat time capsule of, of what wrestling was like back then, you know? Mm, uh, uh, yes, for sure. But it's like, I don't know how much wrestling has even changed in that regard, right? The people that, the people that, um, the people that are into it are so into it. It's unbelievable. And that, that to me is what was what you guys did an incredible job of capturing the, the fervent fan, the, 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 the just watching because all these guys are now still fans of the sport. You know, um, to watch guys like Chip, like all, like to watch them speak about it. And you said it yourself. You said they, they almost have a reverence for one another. And, and that it goes without saying that there's a tremendous amount of respect in the sport, sometimes uh, too much, right? Because we, we, we have a hard time, you know, creating drama. Um, but this had such an, an overabundance of it that it was very obvious. Like you said, the kid from the kid, he's probably not a kid anymore, I'm sure. But the guy from, from sports illustrated remembered the temperature. Like that's something like that. Like the, it, it means that it has imprinted in a, a, a large amount of people. Now here's the question that I have. And, you know, having been on the, the, the behind the back end of a camera um, more so lately, how do you capture that? How do you, as an as an EP on this event on, on this series, how do you capture like it was ten degrees out? It was I was freezing my butt off. Like how do you capture that? Because there was a lot of emotion in there. Yeah, I think I think. Well, first of all, I don't have a lot of experience being an executive producer. <laughs> That's all right. But I've been a lot of I've been a lot of a lot of uh, broadcast. Certainly. Uh, you know, the high level for the sport. And, and uh, so John and I had always talked about doing something creative and uh, in the sport and, and, and this struck, you know, and, and, and for, for, you look at, you know, the everything and but who else is going to get these guys together? All right. For a lot of them, it was just a one call close, you know, Hey, we're going to come here. We'd like to talk to you with you. Here's the subject matter. Here's your match if you want to watch it. Here's the meet if you'd like to, to watch it. And uh, got the cameras there, asked them kind of the same questions. And we kind of piecemealed this all together. And, of course, that's going to drift into where the guys are going. But, uh, yeah, it, so how do, how do you capture that? I mean, what's great about this is that we barely have a narrator. In fact, uh, you could say that Chuck Patton, who was the color commentator, who we went out to Seattle and, and visited, is kind of de facto our narrator on this. We just keep it moving. We just keep these guys talking about themselves in that moment, competing against each other, competing in this duel. It, uh, it it's not what. You, it, and again, it, you're, where you are in this thing, it's not what you think it is, right? After probably episode five, during episode five, about ten or twelve storylines develop after the final hand is raised, and uh, uh, it, it's it's pretty uh, uh, cool. So I think. You know, uh, I'm thankful that I had, uh, of course, John with his experience on this, but this is our kind of our first time together doing this type of role. But it was having some knowledge of the sport. And what I would say this is that we kept a focus on two things, fun and cool. All right. Fun and cool. Right. This is going to be fun and cool. It's not any, you know, uh, 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 tell all expose. about this is these guys were characters. They were having fun at that point in time in their life. Uh, with the sport. They've had fun since then. They're great memories of it, of them competing. Uh, just like everybody in the sport, we don't always achieve everything that we ever wanted to accomplish in the sport because some of the guys in this thing were in each other's way, right? But uh, a, a great reverence that, 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 as I talk about here, mainly because, uh, you know, to as, in a, as you get away from it 35 years later, you know, we start telling these tales and, and you know, why do you want to watch this? Well, single mother that doesn't know anything about our sport when they watch these guys talk about it 35 years later they go oh okay i get it you know i want my young you know uh, son or daughter to, to have that type of experience you know have that 
you know, I think anybody that's ever had a rival in any sport is going to enjoy this. I mean, I, I like, uh, I liken it a little bit to the last dance, uh, but, uh, but it's, it's kind of a little bit like uh, more wrestling centric and, uh, we call it the duel because of the, the quality of wrestlers that were in this thing. And obviously the, the uh, uh, able going for the nine in a row and, and how significant that was as well. So yeah. I, think we, I think we have Dan, and you know this from watching the first episode, Mike, is that uh, uh, we have him in, in, in a way that uh, not a lot of people have ever seen him. I agree with that. Having him what looked like right outside of sauna i don't know if that's true no um, that was my that was my brother's barn <laughs> that looks like it like it couldn't have been more perfect it yeah. couldn't have been more totally. like that looked like he had just walked out of the sauna put some clothes on and and and, and sat down <laughs> for an interview yeah. it was it was awesome okay so there yes there is a and dan and i are together through, through this whole thing which which actually adds another dynamic to it, you know? So, uh, uh, it, it, it was, it, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. The, 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 the progression that that's made all the way through these uh, six episodes with, with Dan. Okay. You said it, that you and coach Gable were, were on camera together for, and watch the duel to watch the duel together, yeah. which, as as I'm as Coach Gable's getting a little bit older, it's nice to see the fire in him because, like, you know, he kind of he's he's become the spokesperson for wrestling, not for Iowa wrestling, but just for wrestling. He has been, you know, this uh, father figure to us all in the sport. But to watch the snarl come back on his face every once in a while, like <laughs> you bring up something and he's like, well, <laughs> yeah, it, it's and, really cool to see. Well, it, and, and uh, you have to growing up in this, you know, I'm, I'm 10 or 11 years younger than him. And, and of course, he uh, uh, did a lot of his undergrad, obviously his undergrad work in my hometown, Ames. I saw him wrestle, you know. <laughs> all the time okay and, and it was just uh, uh uh anybody in the state of iowa uh, knew his name at that time long before the rest of the country did and he was a hero to a lot of people and uh so um you know the the opportunities i had as an assistant coach to be around him we kind of go into that a little bit which uh uh you know to, to even get the job at iowa state i spent some time kind of little, doing a little reconnaissance <laughs> but anyway we, we 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 tell that story and and uh so it's it's, it's like like our our relationship i guess that we uh of course is one of respect I, I certainly respect what he's accomplished in the sport he's always been really good to me um and uh as far as communicating and there's this time in our lives where the rivalry got real and that's where it got real um real interesting real fun that you know that that you know several year period here during that time frame when when i was coaching so but it was you know i would say this mike and, and joel's that it was so fun getting together with all these guys 35 years later and jogging their memories about what was happening here and and you know even even you know nine of the guys that lost in this we, we sat down and talked with us right you know so that's pretty good ratio and mm -hmm. and uh, um and it was like uh, everybody that we, we talked to was basically talking about this uh, era and this meet just like it was yesterday. Yeah, that's that's very true. You say jogging their memory. It did not take much for, yeah, for most right. of these yeah. guys. Like they, you know, if if the Sports Illustrated guy could tell you what the temperature was outside, I can guarantee you the guys that were on that mat and on the camera could tell you what the temperature was inside in the wrestling room in the gym you know in hilton coliseum so yeah it didn't take it was very obvious that these guys it did not take much to remember something that happened over three decades ago like that's pretty impressive um but let's go back to you for a second you know you you said in the 70s early 70s you know the entire state of iowa knew who dan gable was but by by the time that the duel comes out the entire world knows who dan gable is 
how do you, if you can remember back uh, 35 years ago, how do you as a brand new head coach, not even 30 years old yet, how do you kind of take on the task of like, man, this is, this is Dan Gable we're talking about. He's just won eight in a row. How do how how do you approach coaching a team who is number two in the country? Yeah, number two in the country at the time. Right. To 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 take on a, a, the Goliath that is Dan Gable and Iowa wrestling. Well, first of all, Dan Gable came from Iowa State. I mean, you know, and we have our own sense of pride. Every cyclone likes to bring it up, but go ahead. So, you know, he he did a lot of his work. And as as a young young kid, I remember going to camps, all right, in Okaboji and and, uh, other places where I saw him wrestle uh, Ben and John Peterson and, you know, walk the dog with them, all right? Okay, these are eventual Olympic champions, okay? So there, there was something that you... You didn't have to know much about uh, Coach Gable to understand that that uh, he was doing uh, always so something special, and he left, uh, uh, I guess, an Im- imprint on you know the Cyclones there. All right, and then when he went off to Iowa to coach there, I mean, there was still a lot of, of uh, correct behavior going on at that point in time. They're still uh, uh, winning, you know, uh, at, at that point. They won nationals in 72, 73, 77. You know, so there, this, this at this point in time, you know, that rivalry did exist as a real strong le- level and was getting on TV. They got back together and, and uh, they hadn't wrestled for a period of time. I don't know how long it was because I think the Iowa coach McCuskey didn't want to wrestle. Uh, uh, it was got mad at Nick about something, our coach. And, and long and the short of it is, is that there was a pattern of success that was happening at Iowa State. All right. That that. Uh, uh, I was keenly aware of and studied and tapped into, and my job was to keep that going. And so I, I didn't have anything else to do, but just to go ahead and make sure that, you know, that, that our guys believed in themselves. And at that point in time, and, and here's what's significant about it. And I think we'll probably experience this again at some point here with the success of Penn state, you know, the, uh, um, you know, Iowa goes off the rentals eight in a row. Then, you know, it, it's the pressures on the number two team to knock him out. Right. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're, the, the wrestling community is tired mm-hmm. of it. They're, they're writing articles in Sports Illustrated. Is this too much? Is it, you know, is, is, he, is he too dominant or whatever? And all, you know, and, and getting all the recruits that they wanted, you know, every, everything you see evidence of that type of stuff happening here with the uh, with Alliance. Right. Who's, who's going to be the one that's going to be able to go ahead and stop that streak, you know, that they, that they've got going. So we were living it back then. And I was just a young coach and, and uh, maybe just focused on that, believed in the tradition of my, of my program. I had great assistant coaches, Ed Bannock, Les Anderson, you know, um, and, and, you know, Kevin Darkus was on our staff at that point in time, you know, great people that had won championships and, and uh, uh, themselves and, and uh, had success against that, you know, against our rival and themselves. And, and uh, we, uh, you know, went to work. But, you know, as a young coach, you've got to be able to go ahead and show some level of humility and being able to work through other people. I got a kick out of, uh, I, I really like what you're doing here and getting some of these uh, assistant coaches and, you know, uh, Reader and, and I saw the one with Seth Growth and Gross and, and, uh, I saw Vincenzo, you know, you're, you're, you know, they're, they're experiencing that assistant coaching uh, phenomenon here for the first time. And, you know, as a head coach, you've got to be able, will be willing to let those guys be able to touch those younger wrestlers. And, and, you know, for me, I treated them all like my younger brothers, you know, I couldn't be a father figure for them. I was, I was, I couldn't baby face and all that stuff. I couldn't uh, pull that off. But I could be a younger brother, and a younger brother can be pretty hard on his uh, uh, older brother and younger brother, you know, relationship. I, I, I could push him. So the big thing we had to do is get him in great shape and uh, and and give them the confidence that it took to, to be able to be tough out there in the moment to be able to go ahead and beat guys from a great program. Okay, so – and this might <clears throat> delve into – um, a little bit of your coaching philosophy, so to speak. How much would you, how much would you bring up 
Iowa. We're going to beat them. We're going to beat how much how, how often was that on your 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 tongue during the season in front of your guys in the practice room? Uh it's it certainly um that those are things that you say in the beginning of the year, all right? And then you just got to go out and do the work, okay? Mm-hmm. And whether you uh, uh, – we honestly believe that year that we were going to go over to Iowa City, all right, and beat them in the national tournament, which was held in Iowa City. All right? We have to have that type of belief. And as I, I, I call it myself, it's just kind of a kind of an irra- irrational faith in what you're doing. It's, it just it, – there has to be delusional confidence, Right. Anytime you hear about anybody doing something it's special, so awesome. it's right? true though. You have to be no. completely delusional. Delusional. So <laughs> I, I'm a number six seed, right? That, that won oh, the national man. title with with two national champions in my weight class. Right. I was delusionally confident. Right. There wasn't any evidence that you had that I that that I was going to go ahead and win the national title that weekend. But I I, I believed it. Right. And so and and. and the, the, the fun thing about this is that you get to see a little bit of a peak in the two different cultures uh, uh, that, that, that we had going on. I mean, I, my, my guys were maybe a little bit more loners and, and uh, whereas theirs, uh, you know, we're, we're following the, the um, you know, Gable is such an important force. Right. right? Yeah. He in, was carrying the flag. Right, 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 right. But, right. but I think in, 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 in some degree though, that, that uh, Gable and his, in his, you know, I spent a lifetime observing what it would take to coach a national championship team, it seemed like. And I've been watching it ever since. Yeah. Uh, Gable's uh, uh, style uh, up to that point was different than what it, what it became after that point, all right, after like, like in 87 when we won, all right? His relationships uh, were, were different. And I think one of the things that this brings out is 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 uh, uh, I like I said I think we have one of the best looks at Coach Gable that that, that you could you can ever get right and it's uh it, it's it's almost stereoscopic because you get to see the uh, you know my team talk about him uh, uh, of course you know the, the Iowa team talking about it. Mark Johnson, his assistant coaches, uh, 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 talking about it. I'm talking about with him, just standing right there, letting him know, you know, what I. What I so it's it's a unique uh, look into, uh, uh, you know, his program and and the nine in a row. And uh, and by the way, you know, they go on after this dual meet and set the point spread record between first and second place. You know, six in the finals, five champions. You can look this all up. Uh, and uh, it, it's kind of looked look into the magic of, of uh, what happened here, at, uh, you know, three weeks before the national tournament that turned that team around. And we went the other way, but it became the basis of what helped us the next year. As somebody, who's, off, as somebody who's gotten to, you know, compete, coach, and now, you know, commentate at some of the highest levels of wrestling, um, you know, you talk about that irrational confidence of, you know, you just believe in yourself and, and you're going to be able to to go accomplish what you're setting out to accomplish. What do you think kind of contributes to to that, or how do you cultivate that as a coach or as an athlete? Well, at Iowa State, we had evidence back then, right? There's hard evidence. In 1985, we had a guy by the name of David Ewing win uh, uh, lose 20 matches during the course of the year and finish third in the country, right? Mike Van Arsdale that year had high teens worth of losses. Now they also had a lot of wins. All right, but finished, uh, you know, uh, seventh in the country, became all Americans. Okay, guys that were unseated, I think that, that became all Americans. I think Iowa State has the highest number of unseated wrestlers that, and that'll never happen again because we seed all the way down to thirty-three. But, but uh, oh wow, you, that's interesting. Yeah, so you're saying happened. that there's a there's a statistic out there that it can't be broken now because because of seeding, but that yeah. Iowa State had more. National champions, all Americans, unseated, all Americans, unseated, all Americans. Interesting. Yeah, Sorry, so, go ahead. You know, so so there's things that that, that happen in your program. I mean, that that uh, that you, that you can point to that, you know, nobody thought that this guy was going to win. Well, I remember when I was a little kid watching Rich Bennett get beat like 21 to five at the uh, uh, at the big eight big big eight conference that year by a guy my uh, uh, Jones from Oklahoma State. Well, Rich was the national champion two and a half weeks later. They called it the Big Eight Jinx, 
right? You know, I got really? beat twenty-one. I got beat twenty-one to four, right, in the Big Eight semifinals, right? I'm the national champion in two right. two weeks. So it's yeah, like but, okay. So what 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 in your estimation? Because that doesn't happen. I don't want to say ever, right? Ramos this year beats Spencer Lee. I don't it say, happens when they get the seating wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But but I guess what I'm saying is you just don't see that quite as often anymore. Um, any idea of what what why? Well, I think I think and that's this always excites me about the national tournament. I've seen 50 of them so far in my seems, life. It seems like that's it, a few. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> and I I've uh when I I think about those and I'm always looking for that guy that's all of a sudden going to show up and it's, it's his weekend because, you know, the season is a process. We judge the process by the end product. You don't get too down. If you're, if you, if you, you, you just water off ducks, butt. all right. Mm-hmm. You tried something different. It didn't work. All right. Next time you wrestle him, it could be something as easy as, 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 as grabbing an inside bicep t- tie as opposed to elbow tie. And all of a sudden, you know, the whole thing changes up. It could be, you know, changing your, the lead leg on your stance for a period of time to get them frustrated. It could be riding on the right side instead of the left side. It could, it could be something, a little minutia that changes the whole match around. Uh, you know, we had guys like John Thorne. Beats, he gets beat 21 to 22 to five against uh, Randy Willingham, the number one seed. And uh, in the quarterfinals, the, in, a week later, he beats Randy Willingham. All right, so mm-hmm. we just always had that faith that we are that we are there. We had evidence of it. So you say, oh, how do you, you know, in in a place like, uh, you know, Iowa State at the time, you could build up that lore of these guys that did great in the in the national tournament, and, and I'd grown up with that, and so I had those uh, stories in my back pocket. But it didn't change the, you know, you still got to do the work. You still got to be mentally tough. You still, and we had guys on both sides as you can see in this thing uh in the meet itself that were uh really mentally tough physically ready to wrestle uh and we had 20 guys that were going after it that night it was a lot of fun a lot of fun to go back and watch um and um uh, but it's it's not about that it's about these relationships that some of them grew up together and it wasn't just the guys from iowa that grew up together that 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 knew each other we knew the kistler family back in Riverside, California, um, uh, when we first started wrestling and, and spending any time out of the state to go ahead and wrestle a, a, a big national tournament. We we knew these guys. And uh, so like I said, they all knew each other, they grew up with each other. Iowa City and Ames are not that far apart, right? You throw you and I in there, you've got probably a myriad of guys that get together, right? I know we did back in the off season. Right. And, and uh, spend time with each other and, and uh, 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 end up being kind of friends, you know. Um, can we go back to Gable for a second? I, I wrote something down that you you mentioned and. It was always my. Um, it was always my inclination, it was always my assumption and it was corroborated on the when when Gable went on the Joe Rogan experience, he he said something to the effect of, you know, I I did it this way for so long, and then I just couldn't do it that way anymore, and so I had to do it this way. And you made mention of it, like he was Coach Gable was a very different person in the beginning of his career as opposed to the end of his career. From we heard it from him on Rogan, but but I want I wanted an. Uh, I guess not not a, so much of an outsider's pr- perspective because it was obviously I was the outsider looking in, but you had a little bit more insight, but we're still technically an outsider in, in the position. How, yeah. how did you view it? How did you view his the, the, the juxtaposition in his career? Well, I think I know where you're going with this. I'm going to interrupt you for just a second. I'll get back to what your, your question is. You got to remember what my job was to get guys over Gable, right? That they could get everything that they needed right here, right? And 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 uh, uh, if if they did it, they would get all the credit. Okay, that that would, we used to don't worry about me. I'm not worried about you know, you do it, you've done it. Okay, right. and uh, that you're not part of a of of a group here where 
you know, not saying that Dan did this, but it, you know, you're, as a, as but a, it just becomes that whether, whether he it, likes it or not. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Dan's been bathed in that for a, a while here too, you know, where, where it becomes even bigger and bigger and bigger as you go over time. And, mm. and you know what, he, he, he kind of did do it, you know, mm. the, the evidence is there. I mean, the guys that he brought along and all that stuff was magnificent. So, you know, we're trying to do the same thing, but, but not have that glass ceiling that we come up against the Iowa guy because he's coached against Gable. Mm. Uh, we had to break through that. And our, our attitude was, uh, um, you know, you're, you're, you're coming here and it worked for him to be here, right? You're not there. You're not there for a number of reasons. Could be that they have another guy in the lineup or whatever, but we're going to teach how to beat that guy. Okay. And, 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 and we felt very strongly that, that if we're going to, you know, we have to beat them, right. They were the target, you know? And, uh, uh, when you talk about, I think, you know, getting back to answering your question in this docuseries, right. It's fun to watch coach Gable go through this machinations himself about talking about that because there's a clear differential between the four years that, 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 that when he, uh, they didn't win Oklahoma state, uh, Arizona state, Iowa state wins, Arizona state wins, and then two for Oklahoma state. When they come back, they are a, much better program right even though they didn't do nine in a row right in my opinion right but but the, the young coach gable i mean he's in the room he's in his late 20s he's got his hands on everybody okay you get a little bit older right you can't you, you, can't, you can't put your hands on everybody right there's the the lore of uh, coach cable going against the bannock brothers and having them tag team in on them uh that, that and not giving up a takedown and and going against uh, you know one of my heroes and, and the guy who was very influential in my coaching career and my my career as an athlete Chris Campbell you know uh, top of this game 180 pounder world's most technical wrestler he was voted basically the outstanding wrestler showing up with uh, uh, in wrestling Gable and and uh, you know it's it, 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 uh, I, I yeah I don't want I I I wasn't there. Okay, but but I heard some stories too. Yeah, so but he he was just phenomenal. So he Dan had his hands on everybody, okay, and had the stamina to do that. And you know to, to uh, you know for for us for me, I, I didn't have that stamina for the sport. I could <laughs> I don't know how he did it for as long as he did because remember he retired like what age forty seven something like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's 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 you know amazing what he accomplished there, but. And you see some of the same things going on right now. But what did they have? They had a lot of guys in the room, you know, that wanted to get better. Uh, they had, uh, you know, a lot of guys that were battling for the world team and, and, and all that stuff. You know, two or three guys in the same looking for the same spot were in that uh, Iowa wrestling room back then. So we would add, you know, we had maybe didn't have as many resources as, as they had at the time. But, you know, we were expected by our fan base to go ahead and compete with them because that, that's, you know, hopefully – you know, Iowa and Iowa State will fight over an empty water bottle. You know, <laughs> well, I like that. A little bit left of it. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, if yeah, there's something left, then we got something to fight over. Um, yeah. What? Let's let's bring this to the Gen Z community right now. What would a young wrestler growing up today? be shocked to know about wrestling in the 80s how little that they worried about the opponent hmm. it, it was it was a, it was it was a, a question that we asked almost every guy did you what were what were what were your thoughts out there were you did you spend how much time did you spend you know thinking about the other guy's moves or anything like that almost to a man they they don't thought about my moves, what I was going to do out there, how I was going to move, right, and all the stuff. And so it, it's that was the the mindset of I think of a, a wrestler back in, in that era. I think that do you find, do you think that that's lip service for the camera, or do you think that that's honest no, to goodness truth? Honest to goodness truth. Hmm. Yeah, you, you you the sincerity of the way these guys say it. it, it it's uh, it, it can't wait can't wait for people to watch this because they're going to. It's such a, a a clean look into some pretty tough-minded people, 
mm. I think when it gets to that that and and but big characters and and fun and uh good teammates and uh, uh but I think that that that's the one thing that jumped out at me is that how how little it was it was a question that John came up with that that uh how little they worried about what the other guy was going to do do you think that that's representative of all wrestlers from that kind of era of wrestling or do you think that's more just applicable to some of the guys who were super successful and part of the reason they why they were that successful is because that was their mindset interesting Mm. uh i think it's it's the way we practiced because the guys that iowa practiced the same ways that 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 the guys at iowa state did you got in the room all right and you went in there and and you went for an hour and a half hard right or go to you had to take a break and all that stuff and you, you, you pretty much at the end of the year you were going till you dropped and and uh uh you know there was a lot of longer you know there wasn't broken down to do 30 second goes or something like that and there, there's uh i think that's uh just that you know and, and and there were enough really tough people in the room that that, that all, you couldn't you just had to worry about what you were going to do out there and 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 hopefully you made the adjustments along the way to, to see if it would work but that that became the attitude um you know i think i think my coaching i mean you know we're, we're why you know coaching has got to be about you know it's not beating the guy you know that you beat eight by eight points by 13 even though that's important it's beating the guy that beats you by uh, three points and, and turning around and beating him by two right it's, it's winning the tight matches. So what do you have to do to do that? I mean, I broke it down a little bit more uh, uh, in our practices a little bit more just because, you know, the philosophy that, you know, I thought that very early in my coaching career, there were so many guys that wanted to teach and and, and bring new things in and all that stuff. And pretty soon I looked over at a, at a team full of confused guys. Wait, wait, wait. What, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? I'm, I'm not sure what you mean by that. Well, I remember, I remember going to Oklahoma State and we got uh, – you don't get snowed in at Oklahoma State. You get iced in, right? right? So, so we were iced in at the airports. We got to, we went back and and uh, I just apologized to my guys. This was in the eight, eighty-seven season. I think it was about early January, wrestling mid January, wrestling Oklahoma State down there. Anyway, so I apologized to my guys. We've been showing you and spending way too much doing things that 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 we think will help you. I promise you, the rest of the season. The only thing that's coming out of our lips or is is going to be your go-to takedown on the feet, great defense on the feet. You know, we're heads here, head in the middle, head in the middle, head on the outside. All right, uh, being able to get out in 15 seconds and riding a guy for a minute close out period, whatever it takes to be able to go ahead and do that. That's what we focused on, and I did that every year I coached after that, and 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 little things like you know you're holding a lead with 15 seconds left you know he's going to shoot to your right leg lead with the left right well your coach has to pick that up and if you're not coaching those things and having little sessions out there but for the most part we got in there and just grounded grounded out and wrestled and got that long-term conditioning like a long distance runner would get all right and 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 get yourself in favorable shape not be too uh worried about the wins and the losses so much uh and, and and watch guys dig themselves sometimes out of ruts in the national uh, uh, finals and in the national tournament and uh, end up being pretty tough. Mm. How much, how much do you think um, the sport in, in terms of training has changed since 1987 when you won a national title? As coach. Uh, yeah. In that eighties period, I think that the, the, the training, I think, I think coach Gable, as an athlete changed the, the 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 requirements it took to win a national the buy-in he changed the buy-in for yeah. sure but he but he changed himself when he was wrestling the level of conditioning that you needed to be in yeah. to beat a great wrestler you go back and look at the owings gable match okay there's a lot of reasons why coach gable went out there with it you know he's, he's beat, you know 40 takes of uh, from wide world of sports you know right before he goes out there yeah. the preparation was off and everything else and then you got a, a hungry opponent who was in shape who was cutting down and uh you know was hitting him with an underarm spin 
okay, mm-hmm. constantly in that match and really kind of dominating a particular position. He was out of it. But, uh, but he, as an athlete, particularly when he went on to win a, a gold medal, the conditioning that he had, all right, and even though, I mean, even though that, that, that you know, the wrestling back then at freestyle was nine-minute matches. Can you imagine nine-minute matches today? With Gable? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, mean, <laughs> I think guys. you could probably make a case that he could have won. The other guys are not going to want to hear this, but he might have won, a, you know, uh, 10 more titles if he yeah. stayed out of that as an athlete, which what yeah. you would do in this era. Yeah. So your question was, what's different? Uh, uh, I, I don't think uh, – I think coach changed the technology had a, there was a technological change in there with Gable and with a focus on conditioning guys, they call stalling so much more than they call it now. Right. With the you know, rule changes and all that stuff. I mean, you, you got you guys that had 10 point leads were getting dinged for stalling. Okay. <laughs> maybe even giving up points. Okay. Oh. So, all right. You backed up. And so what it did was it forced the wrestling up, okay? So that, and, and I think that it, it made it, it, when guys had to present their hips a little bit more, because right now you see a lot of wrestling and it's, it's mm-hmm. getting a little bit better, but, but the guys have their butts out way out wide and they're bent over at, at the top. And it makes, particularly at 125, it's just really t- hard for guys to go ahead and score. Well, if you were blocking with the top of your head, right? John, you know, did that. And he was he got away with it because he put up 15 points, right? Mm-hmm. They could, you know, they call him for stalling or whatever because he's blocking with his head. But by that time, he rattled off four low shots below your like he's coming up from underneath the mat, grabbing your ankle and 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 and, and winning with it. Okay, but up until that point, you know, people were wrestling. Pretty yeah, watch upright. watch Alger versus Kevin Jackson. I mean, they're yeah. standing up. Well, yeah. The reason why they're standing up is because you know, coaching Kevin in that situation, we had a heck of a time, you know, dealing with Royce's forward pressure and his collar tie. All right. Yeah. And what he would try to do is, is what we call tiring out techniques. Okay. Royce isn't out there hitting explosive shots in the beginning, but what's he doing? He's grinding him down. And as a result, you know, a lot of points were scored and all that stuff, but that's, that's the wrestling back then. And that's why you saw more Metzgers. That's why you saw, you know, some body locks and, you know, the Schultz uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Bannock match. They're chest to chest. Why are they chest to chest? Because if you block with the top of your head, you get called for stalling. You threw your That's butt out in any way, you're, you're you know. They're so going to hit you for stalling, huh? They're going to ding you, all right? Mm. And, and, and you could be wrestling your rear end off. All of a sudden, you give up a couple of those in a takedown, and you've given up a, a four or five-point lead. That's a different match. That's a very a different, different match. match. So yeah. pushing and mat control and all that stuff were really a part of uh, of, of the wrestling. And so they you know, always talk about the step out rule. You just call them for stalling. Mm. Yeah. Call, call them for stalling. <laughs> just It'd be a lot easier. But mm. so Coach Gable uh, with his guys were constantly moving forward and, and um, you know, controlling the center of the mat working the tiring out techniques, getting guys that were maybe much better technically in the first period, right, out of position, get the crowd involved and all that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. Carver Hawkeye was, um, you know, you, you think that Carver was a tough play to wrestle. The field house was for real, right? There were steel bleachers there, 10, 10 11,000 people in there could make just as much noise as, as they had in Carver uh, back in the day. And that it was, it was, a, it, it was a tough environment. But you know, we loved it. Loved, loved yeah. going there. Loved, loved. Uh, you know, it was all said and done. You know, I, I, I told Shane the other day. He brought it up and he said, "Dual meets are tribal. Our guys are better than your guys." You know, mm-hmm. uh, get get together afterwards and talk about the days of war where the heavyweight didn't get pinned. And you know, you know, good job. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a couple of key people. It's just the same with this thing. And um, uh, there were some great meets back then. Some memorable meets. They were all on uh, television. We just happened to focus on this one. We think people are going to like it. We think that nobody. This has never been done before in the sport. And some of the things I'm most proud about in our that I've ever been associated with and in, in, in this role. But it was just get, getting a bunch of guys together like we're doing today, and uh, and, and talking about the sport in in a way. And I think that you know in, in the bigger picture, 
if it gets a hundred more guys to stay out for the sport and catch a good friend, if it gives you a little bit more respect for your rival after a few years, open up a conversation with somebody. Hey man, I I really, you know, I, I, I can tell you this in our sport. I never, you know, felt like hatred towards somebody else because why would I want to waste that much emotion on that? And, uh, and, and that's the way it was back then. I think people, the fan bases probably would have been really shocked about how much we did talk, how much we did get together and how much, uh, uh, you know, you see the same thing with coaches on the recruiting trail, you know, recruiting sure. the same guy, you know, but, uh, you know, I think, so, uh, how much, what would they, a young person be surprised at, um, that they would be surprised that, that we spent little time focusing on the, the opponent. Maybe, I enough. think that started evolving in the nineties, maybe eighties, late eighties, you know, I think it's, uh, so cool to get such an in-depth look at how wrestling used to be um you know as someone growing up in the bay area there's not a rich tradition of wrestling here and so it's cool to see oh come on what that looks like <laughs> uh it's cool to see what what that looks like you know uh growing up in iowa and and kind of the iowa iowa state rivalry um but as someone who's been in the sport for you know a long time got to see like you said 50 50 ncaa championships you think the sport is heading in the right direction. My goodness, we just saw the best national term I think I've ever seen, right? I, I, I really believe that. I mean, the, the surprises, the, the, the talent, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, there's 200 coaches now, I believe, that can go ahead and take one of these top four guys and have them finish in the top four, mm-hmm. right? There's 200 coaches, there, there's not necessarily 200 Jay Robinsons or or uh, you know Dan Gables or Kales or or you know the, the highest high level co- national champion coaches like John and and, and Tom and you know and, and Tom you know so it's it's like there's there's not 200 guys like that but there's not 200 programs of you know not 30 programs that are putting that type of commitment on it but there's the level of coaching I I think it could be better at the assistant coaching level because just one of I think that that that's that's a hard and I'm making a hard statement here and it's not mm-hmm. generality here, but you know, guys that are getting frustrated by getting out of ankle rides, well, come on, that's a pretty easy thing to get out of, right? Mm. <laughs> you know, what I mean, it's a it's a you know a guy sagging on your ankle or anything like that. That's a pretty easy thing to get out of here, all right. And 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 uh, uh, but I, I I think we just. You know, the, some of the where, where wrestling's getting bogged down is is that I think I don't think some of the uh, uh, because to, for me, I'll just take you back to one match, the, the 141 pound match. I mean, uh, where where uh, where the, uh, the uh, Colorado uh, Northern Colorado wrestler drawn a blank right here, um, Aliris, Aliris, yeah, pardon me, Andrew, uh, but the uh, uh, the uh, Standing up and double over right there, right to an inside trip. The risk reward was all in his favor. All right. It's I want to see that type of wrestling from the bottom position. Okay. All right. Where guys stand up and challenge, throw your hips in. All right. The risk, like I was saying before, the risk reward is all in your favor. If he Matt returns you and gets Shane Sparks excited, well, guess what? He got zero points. Okay. Yeah. But if you're double overs inside trip rolls back through for six all right six all right you're gonna get two and four all right i mean that's that's uh, let me i want to i want to go back 40 years and learn that yeah <laughs> you know the yeah. only guy we had doing it back then was randy lewis and i was trying to get it and push his hips away you know? <laughs> but the uh but that, that's the type of exciting wrestling that we want to see from all positions. And and when you got guys that are just, uh, get, I can't get out of a near wrist, an ankle ride or a cross wrist ride or whatever, I go, what? All right? If you didn't get out of those back in the room I grew up in, all right, you spent all practice in that position. Yeah, you're not you hitting another high out. crotch. Yeah, you're not hitting a high crotch until not, you can get your wrist You're not getting back onto your feet, yeah. right? You're gonna, you're gonna get, you know, you know, guy like Mike Land's gonna hold you down the whole practice, right? Yeah. And, you know, uh, what was the story of, uh, uh, you guys had him on, was it, uh, oh, it was Joseph, wasn't it? Vincenzo Joseph talking yeah. about, 
get, getting ridden the whole, uh, uh, you know, uh, was he going against Zane? Yeah, right? I think so. They, they wouldn't let him up. Yeah. Well, guess what? You learn from those positions, okay? Yeah. It's the right? only way to learn, by the way. It's the only way. <laughs> yeah. It's so, unfortunate. Uh, anyway, you know, and, and 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 your assistants are the ones that put them in those positions. And sure. you see the programs that are doing really well with that here. Got a little bit of a old school trickery in them here, and it's fun to fun to see some of that stuff out there, right? And but uh, like I said, I, I mean, I think I think that the, the athletes are phenomenal. Um, I don't. I think the toughness is the same. Mm-hmm. Guys who win national titles are tough dudes, right? For sure. Any other, right? And uh, whatever you have to do to create that toughness. And I, I, I think that, you know, when you were talking to John Reeder about all the people that they have uh, touching them, you know, that might be able to give them an edge psychology, you know, introducing them to a psychologist, doing a full body span, scan and all that stuff. That's all great. Okay. But how much that make me tougher today? Right. That's my, that's my question. What's going to, what, how can I get my guys tougher? All right. Because, at the end of the day, the national champions are the toughest guys. No doubt, dude. It's three days. It's just such a grind. It's it's yeah. The, there's the no NCAA preparation tournament. for it, Mike. No. There's no preparation. For They're literally no in, in in the most literal sense too. You're you're not kidding. Is there another tournament that nope. that you there's can no think three of? Day tournament. There's, there's no, no three day tournament. Two days. Yeah. Vegas is two two days. Two days. Nothing there's, prepares there's you for literally it. Literally nothing. For you, and, like, and, so by the time you're in session six, you're standing on the podium, you know, you're standing on the stage, you are in uncharted waters if you've never been there before. Yeah. And well, th- by the time you get to Friday morning, Mike, you might have had Monday as the travel day. Yeah. Or Tuesday. Probably Tuesday. Well, that's yeah. Tuesday, all day Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Mm-hmm. Okay. From, from Friday morning on, you're in uncharted waters. You don't take a trip that long. The, the the rest of the year that's right okay and so just just getting the just seeing your opponents and that's one thing i learned by wrestling the tournament and then studying it and trying to uh help my guys through all that there were some guys that i thought that were heavy sleepers we'd wake them up early had to figure yeah. that out through yeah. trial and error but you know but it's always been about finding the toughest guy in that weekend and and um but I thought I thought last year's tournament was one of the best of aces. Absolutely aces. All right. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Last question we asked this of most of our guests. If you had a magic wand and you could change one thing about the sport of wrestling, doesn't matter what it is, what would you change about the sport of wrestling? Oh, man. I I wish... You know, maybe we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I, I, I just wish the the uh, there were uh, ten more, uh, uh, maybe twenty more competitive programs yeah. out in the West and in the Southeast. Yeah, right. Because the the talent uh, where we're getting these guys, and in Texas as well, you know, the talent where we're now starting to get all these guys that are representing these programs is getting more spread out. I mean, yeah. uh. uh my, I was telling somebody this the other day in the class of 77 and uh, 3A in large schools in Iowa. Mm-hmm. We had me, Lenny Zaleski, three time All American. I was three time All American. Uh, two time All American Perry Hummel, two time All American uh, uh, Kenny Gallagher, two time All American Dave Brown from Iowa State. Kenny was from UNI. Uh, uh, One time All American Dave Fitzgerald. Uh, Joe Gormley, two-time All-American from UNI, uh, or heavyweight, uh, wrestled at Iowa State. Uh, that's just one class. That's just one class, right? Yeah. yeah so, so it, it's it's gone away from that. And I, and I know Iowa's gotten a little bit tougher here with the with the kid wrestling. We'll see what the, that that looks like a little bit later in their careers. But I would I would it would just be wonderful if that talent was there 
uh, uh, 20, 30 years ago when they had programs like UCLA or 40 years mm -hmm. ago when they had UCLA and Oregon and, you know, Washington. LSU. And, uh, yeah. LSU, exactly. Mm -hmm. But that, that's the one thing I have. We got to find, you know, I don't know how that's going to work because we really haven't added, uh, uh, we've had, we haven't had a traditional division one program uh, uh, add, add wrestling. You know, that's we, right. We, yeah. But that would be my wish for the sport. And I think mm -hmm. that would add a lot of strength and it would obviously take a lot of money to be able to do that. But, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I, yes, you're right. It would take money, but I think it's just commitment from a lot of these, these major institutions that they don't have much of a reason to commit that type of those type of resources to wrestling. Well, th that, and, uh, uh, things are, on shaky ground right now in college athletics with the conference realignments and all that. And sure. That, that, uh, that makes a difference, but Hey, I want to make sure before we go here, right. Mm -hmm. You can, you can follow this at the duel.org. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, look at our trailer and, uh, I'd like to have your audience, uh, you know, take a good look at this thing and, and, uh, and watch when it comes out. It's going to come out in November. You know, I don't know if we're done talking about this, but I want to get us back to, to uh, uh, this effort here because uh, we set up a foundation, we paid for it, we set up the foundation. So we're going to uh, uh, roll this out in, in uh, mid-November. And um, and you said all the proceeds that y'all make from this event, or excuse me, from this series going right to the final. our foundation, yeah. yeah. And so we don't know what that will be, but you know, we, uh, we, we John and I set out to do this. It's fun, it's something that was fun and cool. And, um, uh, we'd like to give back to the sport. One of our, uh, we are <laughs> Dan Gable. I don't know if you know this or not, but, but you probably saw it on Joe Rogan. If you saw that interview, but he's got his own beer. Yeah. He sure Gable does. beer. Right. Yeah. Well, our, our dual logo is going on their, their, their beer. Right. -uh. So, yeah. So we're going to, we're the, the, the guys from single speed brewing, uh, are going to help us out here a little bit, uh, a dollar for everything that they do gains up for like their, you know, sit wow. back or whatever. It ends up going to the Dan Gable Museum, which we did a, a few of our interviews from. But mm -hmm. uh, like I said, this was a a, a wonderful thing. And, and like I said, if, if we can, uh, it, it's going to come out in the middle of uh, November, an episode a day. All right. I, hopefully by the 20th, you can buy all six episodes for like $9.99, a buck 99 an episode. And like I said, if we, uh, what we make on this, which is pretty roughly about half of the, of the, of the um, the gate on that thing will we'll end up going into our foundation and give us some money to, to, to give back to the sport. Awesome. Hey, Mr. Gibbons, thank you so much. It's truly appreciated taking yeah. time to talk about the series and about the time capsule that has become the duel. Go check it out, the duel.org and we will catch y'all next time. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Joel.